Welcome everyone to Weekly Game Chat. I'm your ghost, aka guest host, Chris. As always, joined by a co-host, John. Hi, everybody. <laughs> What's that? Hey, buddy. Moved to hey, Canada buddy. and South Park. Hey, buddy. No, What's I, going on, I actually, buddy? <laughs> I, I actually said hi, everybody. Yeah. But uh, it's all good. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Been a good week. Feel like I accomplished a lot. You know what did you accomplish? The topic. <laughs> um, I finished Perry Mason. Uh, oh, you did, huh? Yeah, highly suggest it. If you have HBO Max or whatever, I guess just HBO. Definitely worth a watch. It's only eight episodes, so it's not too long. It's kind of a little bit weird at first because he's not really Perry Mason at first. It's kind of how he gets to that point. But then is, uh is his name Perry Mason? His name is Perry Mason, but I don't how much do you know about Perry Mason? He's the previous generation of Matlock? Pretty much, right? So you're you're expecting him to be lawyering, and I can tell you at the beginning of this he is not lawyering. So you know, how does he become a lawyer? Uh, that I don't know. You would have to watch to find out. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it had a really good, like, I wouldn't say it's like groundbreaking or anything like that, but, um, it's a good love letter to pulp, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, having that idea of the, of the jazz playing in the background with these beautiful shots of Los Angeles and things like that. Um, and then it's just really, really well acted. Like Matthew Rice is is top notch. John Lithgow is in there, and he's top notch. Um, I can't ever remember this guy's name, but he's he's one of those guys that once you see him in it, you're like that guy, you know. Um, yeah. He's he kind of plays Perry's right hand man uh, in this, and um, Tatiana Malaski. I, I I don't know how you say her last name. She's she was big on Orphan Black. Was her big show. She's got a part in this that is really good too. But yeah, I'm uh I'm very interested to see what that becomes in its second season. Definitely solid start. And this is Max HBO Max. Yeah, well, I mean it's just HBO, but you know, obviously, most people are going to be on Max now, seeing as they Sounds got ready to go. Uh, and then I haven't watched it yet, but that Lovecraft show started on HBO this week, so I think that'll be the next thing. I probably venture into, but yeah, that was that. I mean, I guess that's about it. It's not like there's a bunch of eventful things that I'm doing every week, right? <laughs> uh, I think well, that's you, true for you, a lot of people. Speak for yourself, man. Jeez, jeez. Well, did you have some amazing, exciting revelation this week? Uh, no, but still, just speak for yourself. <laughs> well, there you go. But yeah. see, I don't think I, don't, I think uh, I think I just um, we did have a, a couple of uh, friends over on Saturday. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, um, well, but other than that, pretty uneventful. As we uh, Adam, Adam was Adam was uh, I think Adam left yesterday. Ah. Oh, head back was, to Chicago. So did he just like come back here for the whole entire quarantine thing? 
it kind of worked out that way because his because mm. his mother passed away. Yeah. So he he was down here as long as it took to get her assets in order to get her properties sold, that kind of stuff. So gotcha. um for the most part he has um he has he's got all that done and he's uh, and, and he headed back to Chicago, which I think is still relatively a hot spot. Yeah, I would maybe, imagine maybe it's a little better. But um I would imagine if you're not a major city in the Northeast, you are the potential for a hotspot right now. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, yeah, that I, I don't really have that much. Yeah, I just <laughs> I've just been playing more Sekiro. Yeah, yeah, having some driver what? issues with it apparently. Yeah, uh, apparently I, I just downloaded this thing for the keyboard who knew besides well i'm sure everybody in the world knew except me you could update your keyboard (laughs) so maybe that's the issue we'll see i have been teching out a little bit um Mm -hmm. as you can tell i've got the lights i've i decided to put hue light system so now i have like lights above me that can be changed i have a light strip that goes around my desk um it's very nice setting and then um I guess uh, I, I shouted out on the Discord. I've been listening to a lot of Brad and Will made a tech pod, which is Brad Schuster from Giant Bomb fame. Uh, I'm not sure where Will's from, if he's from there too or not. But they basically just take a tech issue or, or something with tech, right, and talk it out, and they'll give wonderful products and all that. So, like, I've got these MagSafe cables that are coming. So, like basically I would have a connector that goes into a device, right? And that device around it would have a magnetic seal. And therefore, whenever I need to charge it, instead of potentially damaging the cable over like 10,000 times removing it, uh, I've got these cables coming that, uh, they just magnetically connect. Hmm. Uh, so once I heard about that, I was like, Oh, Oh, I need that. (laughs) There's just, so now I'm like listening to them and I have a f- bad feeling I'm going to end up spending like $10,000 in about a year of tech stuff that I probably don't really need. But, you know, I'm like, why not if I can make my life well, better? As far as the lighting goes, you have this beautiful pink hue about you right now. Yeah, it's like pinkish lights here. And then my, um, you can't see it, but my uh, under around my desk, it's kind of like a blue hue. Oh, I can see it. I installed a camera in your apartment last week. I see everything. You see a lot of stuff then. (laughs) 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 A lot of stuff. (laughs) Uh, It gets bad about Friday, 11 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) PBR everywhere. (laughs) Tell you are us think about John Penny. But yeah, um, I guess that's it. It's going to be the shortest episode ever. Hey man, it's all right. It's always good to give people back some of their time that That they give to us. That is true. Um, Guys, you won't believe the topic we are covering this week. (laughs) Well, if they've looked at the title, they know it. (laughs) Guys, you're not ready. You're just not ready. No one was ready for this. We weren't ready till Friday when I was like. I can't even believe you're, I, I just thought. When you asked me about this Friday, was it Friday? Thursday or Friday? I I think it was Friday. I thought you were bluffing. I was like, there's no way he's playing this game. 
then you log on I'm, to Xbox. I, I said, here's what's going to happen. I'm like, great, go ahead, do go for it. And then Sunday, I'm going to ask you playing it. He goes, no, <laughs> I'm not playing this game. I decided not to. And then I was going to have to cram to get something else in. But uh, yeah, we're we're doing it. Well, you're doing it, and they're not ready. Apparently, you forgot who was the man on this show for five years. I can oh, I can Lord. cram oh, something. Gosh. In the words of Sean, a boo. <laughs> I could cram something. I I once played thirty one hours straight one weekend of of Mafia Three, sir. And about hour that. about hour eighteen, I was like, I would really not like to have to do this more. But I did it. You, you certainly did. Gosh darn it. Um. Uh, oh, I, I I did play a little bit of Control this week because uh, yeah, I saw that. Alan, You're getting Alan ready for that awe expansion. Yeah, because I'm going to be in awe. <laughs> it's good. It's a good year to be a Remedy fan this this last year, right? You got Control last year. You got these two expansions over this year. And then uh, they're doing that Crossfire X uh, single player for that. So, bunch of Remedy stuff, right? And usually their studio takes a long time. Yeah. didn't Wasn't their last game only a couple of years ago this well, uh, quantum, quantum break. break. Yeah, I want to say that was like 2016 or 2017. It was definitely like when you think of Quantum Break was first teased up at the Xbox mm-hmm. uh, One announcement. And yeah. I think what was before that? Alan Wake, which, well, the, the sequel they did, which was more of a DLC arcade game than the original, but that was maybe like 2009, 2010. So... You know, you're talking seven years between then and Quantum Break. It's a good bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Anyways, uh, I guess if we got nothing, let's let's do a topic. Oh, we got something. So <laughs> let's do a topic. Okay. The topic is, they're not ready for this, John. Hey, we said so. They're so not ready for this. I can feel the play button being pressed to pause, and then they're scrolling to another podcast as we speak. But it doesn't matter because the topic is UFC! never ready for that right yeah john you were surprised weren't you oh yeah i thought you were just joking i've played every ufc game no you have not i have you didn't okay so this is like it's not something that i'm like hardcore about but well, it this is something is like, this is like relationships you don't talk about them <laughs> it's not something well most of the time when i've gotten them it's been when they're on sale Right. It's always been a series where I'm like, if I see it for 15 bucks, usually I'm like, yeah, why not? Because I like, I like real world fighting games. I I told you this, like fight night way back in the day from EA, that was my jam. Like I I played probably hundreds of hours of fight night. Um, just because the idea of building a boxer that just could KO anyone (laughs) 
It Man, was uh, when was the last time they did a fight night. I want to say 2000. It was it was definitely 360 era. Um, yeah, it was maybe 2010. Yeah, maybe somewhere in there. Long. It was it was definitely not the back half of the generation. It was more the front half. Um, and yeah, I loved it. So do you do you do you create a character in this one? And is its name Chris Love? Its name is Chris Lawler because uh, I had to go by the names they had on there for the last name. If you want um, what's pronounced, and I was I, I was surprised by that that Love was in there, but I guess they. They just load all the uh, names of all the fighters that they have from the UFC ranks that they figure someone would want to use, right? Yeah, what's love got to do with it, right? (laughs) And I guess it's also so you can therefore uh, have Bruce Buffer not have to say 50 additional names or something like that. Um, Because I would imagine Bruce Buffer, if you don't know, is the main announcer for UFC. And I imagine much like his brother, Michael, that he comes at a pretty high cost, right? <laughs> so it's probably a lot easier to just be like, let's use what Bruce Buffer has said through the years. And, mm-hmm. you know, that way we might not have to pay as much. Um, But yeah, uh, mainly I play this one just because the career mode, you know, I, I, that, that's a fair guess. Whenever I play any of these games, I want some form of career mode. Um, and most of them before this in the UFC, I don't remember them being that memorable, but it's clear that much like with a lot of the other stuff, um, with EA sports games and careers, the last couple of years, they've really kind of tried to at least somewhat emulate what NBA 2K does, (laughs) you know, and start to bring in that idea of here's some voice acting and, you know, an idea of where you came from and, you know, at what at least a glimpse into what the world of UFC is very like, right? As far as for a fighter that's coming up. Uh, so in order to do this here, I can't remember the name of the trainer. I don't even know if they actually give him a name. They give him the same outfit throughout, which really doesn't fit. Um, but basically, he's talking about how he discovered you, which is like this idea of you being a young fighter. Uh, that it's clear you're at this point outmatched, right? You're not skilled yet, but uh, you are someone who shows a lot of heart and determination. And he thinks, hey, if I actually put the time in this guy, he could become something someday, right? We'll see what happens. He's worth at least investing in. Uh, So, like, your very first fight is you're supposed to lose and you're going to lose. That's, that's literally how it works. You know, you're not going to have any shot, but it at least gives you your first idea of what combat in this game is going to be. Uh, and then you go through kind of a story period where it's like your first four or five fights before you actually get to the UFC as an amateur. And, um, each one is kind of teaching you the mechanics of the game. It, it really serves as a low key training program for you. Like your first fight is just about boxing. You're fighting a guy who's a boxer. So it's about understanding the strikes, how to move your body, how to work the body, how to hit big head, you know, head shots versus just the jabs and the straights um, and how to like manage your stamina. Right. Uh, then like the next one after you win that, 
the guy you're going against is a wrestler. So understanding how to do takedowns on someone or how to defend the takedown. Um, and then uh, the third one is like a sub- submission specialist. So, you know, how to block uh, submission holds versus how to uh, administer them yourself. And, uh, you know, it works pretty decent. I think as a training thing, I, I think the wrestling part and the the boxing especially, it will be easy for most fight people to pick up on. You know, it is a very complicated control game. It, it's it's definitely close to the level of, say, 2K uh, in terms of all the things you can do and understanding how all those things work together to give you advantages. It takes a lot of time and and work right but um at the same time the one part i don't think it does very well in in that training period is kind of understanding once you're doing wrestling and you're trying to work on submissions or ground pound or just escaping sometimes it doesn't really train you very clearly on how to maneuver your guy um to the best way to get advantages it just it has like a, on one stick, you have like this option to press up to escape, left to try a submission, right to try ground and pound. John, do you know what those things are when I'm talking about that? I hope. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't explain to you clearly, hey, your, your stamina matters a lot. And then also there are secondary things like where in between this, there are ways to maneuver like to side position, which is the big one, or to get on someone's back which is really deadly and things like that it doesn't clearly really tell you how to do them very well and i even throughout the game i never got to a point uh in my 30 career fight before i decide to go play the game that we'll probably talk about next week um (laughs) 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 like i never got to a point where ground game became a focus for me it was more of like managing ground game Right. Uh, and it was because I just did not understand it and I did not want to take the time to go pull up some YouTube video and watch for 10 minutes as someone ex- explains to me exactly how to do something. Uh, so, you know, that's something that could be refined, but as far as the rest of it, right. As far as training you. So after you go through that entry part, you eventually get to the point where Dana White has a contender series. It's a real thing that UFC does. Uh, And there is a rule that if you ever score a knockout in the first round, you get a contract right away. Otherwise, it's like you have to do a couple of fights in that series and then you go to the UFC if you win all of those, right? Uh, Here, of course, your boy, he got a knockout in the first round because once he read that, he was like, well, I know what's going (laughs) down on this one. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, you know, once you get into the UFC, basically the way it works is you you have contracts that you sign with the UFC, right? And then you have um once you have the contracts and you get offer offered fights, you only have a certain amount of declines you can do. And there's a lot of reasons why you might decline something. Mainly because like say if you're an up and coming guy, um, if they wanted to like all of a sudden you're unranked and they said, Let's go fight the number four guy, right? that might not be really good for your health of your career because he's probably stronger and better than you. And therefore you're going to have to be perfect to, to beat him. 
But on the flip side, you know, if you're someone who is unranked and you've beat a bunch of unranked, you might want to decline a fight against another unranked guy to see if maybe you can get one against, like, say, the 13th or 14th ranked guy and begin to enter the, in that conversation if you win of being a ranked contender. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you you know, there's reasons to go about this. And, of course, later on, you know, if you're a champion or top contender, you're you're working to get the fight that would get the most attention, right? Conor McGregor isn't going to go fight some scrub. He wants to, like, fight, you know, some of the biggest fighters in the world. He wants to be going for the belt or fighting like a top three contender. That's why he would do that. Um, Or you might want to do, you know, a trilogy against someone if they had really good fights before. Uh, But yeah, once you pick your opponent, you then have a certain number of weeks to do your training camp. And you start off with 100 points every single week to delegate. And those delegate between sparring which is your main training. Uh, each session starts at 40 training points. And if you keep going, if you meet the objectives of them, you go up a tier and they cost more. So it's like 40 to 45, 50, you know, 55. And I think it maxes out 60 points for the top level. You're like, well, why would you spend all that? Because you get these, uh, through that you get upgrade points which is where you're primarily upgrading your abilities from right uh and then on top of that you also get bonus upgrade points for leveling up your actual combat abilities so this is a game kind of like if you want to compare it to something that's not a sports game i would go with like something like elder scrolls where you know casting magic repetitively levels up how good your magic abilities are right And of course, the higher they get, the longer they take to get to the next level. So like every move in the game has five levels to it. Um, And of course, someone that is throwing a jab at level one is not going to be as worrisome to someone as a guy who has a max level jab, right? That could be a thing that if he leans into it uh, wrong, even the jab at the right point in the fight could really mess him up and put him in a defensive state. So, um, you know, me, I was primarily focusing on boxing first. I wanted to be a striker just because of what I said, all those concerns. So like by the end of this, of my career, I had like top level jabs and straights and, uh, even uppercuts. I had gotten to the point because that was kind of like my, I wanted to Tyson them, you know, I wanted that Tyson knockout, just (laughs) Bob weave in and go, bam, Right to friction, you know, watch them go down and pound their friction. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so that's the first component of it. The second component for your week to week is, uh, you can watch tape. So understanding first, like, well, how good is this fighter is usually the first thing you unlock. Then like, what kind of style does he have? Um, what are his best moves? All those kinds of things. And it's good because some of these fighters you're going to fight again and again. So if you, invest in them right uh unlocking those things those carry over over time you don't ever have to repay them again um it's not so much worth it for those early guys outside of just getting an idea of what they are like the first two things which are their rating and what kind of style they are um but like when you're getting when i was getting to the top and i'm like okay i'm going against nate diaz um for anyone who knows who that is a pretty big name in mma 
uh, I was like, let me make sure I understand everything I need to watch for. Right. Because it's going to help me in the fight. Like you, it, the game is very much realistic in the sense of, um, you know, it's about your ability to, to be, uh, to anticipate what they're going to want to do. And then also thinking of ways to hide what you're trying to do. Um, but once you get past like learning their moves and all that, the third thing is basically hyping your fights, right? So you have certain things that are expected of you either through sponsorships that you get or just from the UFC itself as you really get big. Um, and you know, you wanting to get your fights hyped up as much as possible because then it helps, uh, grow the desire to move you up in the ranks as far as giving you a shot. And then on uh secondary, you know, it's going to make it so that later on as you get higher contracts and stuff that people want to give you more money uh, and such. Um, and there's also, there's one other thing I'm forgetting about, which is, uh, which is basically the other option you can do during your weeks is you can actually train with another UFC fighter as you develop relationships uh, and learn their moves. Like you have a very limited move set, basic move set when you're starting out. Like you don't have a Superman punch when you're starting out or, or a um, spinning leg head kick. Th- those things are unlo- non-locked. You have to basically make friends with someone who has those moves and then learn them uh, and then put the time in to work up those moves just like you did with uh, all the art moves you already have in your move set. Uh, so there's a lot to go on. And um, they try to really make that part with the fighters, especially early on, very big. Like yeah. you'll have you'll have people call you out, you know, that you're fighting and you can either play into it and piss them off <laughs> or you can be really nice and they'll be like, you know, be like, yeah, man, I can't wait to fight you. It's going to be a really good fun show or whatever. Um, and so these depend- characters match the personalities of their real life personas. Some of them, uh, I, I, I some of them. Did. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I feel like it was a good idea that didn't get fully realized because yeah. early on you get a lot of it because it's like, Hey, how are you going to manage this as you're trying, you're desperately wanting moves and there's very limited options to go get them because it's early in the game. But once I got later in the game, you know, there was points where, I had leftover stuff and I could just go do this thing where um, you just basically do connections and you just reach out to someone and say, Hey, Anderson Silva, I'm going to spend 20 points this week and say, you're a good guy <laughs> like you, <laughs> you know, there's not much like in the way of that. I've seen of like, as I got later of people just being like, Hey, I hate you. You're a pain. You're nothing. You ain't got no chin or whatever, right? You couldn't knock me out. Like that all of a sudden just st- stopped. Instead, it was just random text messages after fights, like either Dana White going like, look at remote home life, do his thing. Or, uh, cause you get to decide your online handle, of course. Um, <laughs> or, uh, you know, someone else saying fake champ, <laughs> paper champ, you know, and all that. And I'm like, and those people, those people who are doing this, like, I'm like, looking like I knocked that guy out in 25 seconds. What do you want from me? <laughs> um, and 
you're wondering like, well, what's your overall goal? Of course, first it's to become champ of your division, right? But the long-term goal of the game is to be the goat. And there's a bunch of different, um, kind of similar to making the hall of fame and NBA 2K's career. There are certain things you have to do to be considered the goat, right? Like maybe, um, just having an, a certain number of wins by KO or having a number of pay-per-views that you've headlined, right? Career mm-hmm. earnings, what's your record lifetime? How many have you run one in a row? How many title defenses have you had in a row that were successful? Those kinds of things. And it didn't take me, but maybe two days to get to that point. Um, and, and I look, I'll just go and say, I wasn't like playing on the highest difficulty because there's, tons of so much complication i was not about to take the time to become a person that was perfect in this right it's kind of like when you're playing any sports game i think early on you you start i started on normal difficulty and i worked my my way up and i I probably could go to the higher difficulties now but i'm just like eh, this is fine by me i have fun you know uh and that's what i was looking for in this um but yeah you uh so like you there are some great moments in this, like in sense of, um, of the career, like where this is kind of true for most greatest of all times, you get the option to go fight in a different weight class and become a double champion. Right. Um, but the bad part is afterwards you can't hold on to both belts. So like Amanda Nunes right now, uh, in UFC holds, uh, both the, uh, both, two weight classes and she's been defending both of them <laughs> uh for the last two years now and uh i'm sure maybe eventually she might just give one up but like you don't get that option here so i had to decide did i want to go back down to my old weight class or stay up in the new one and i was like well i already busted those guys up for like six tile defenses so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the next level and do that so this uh, is on easy <laughs> mode for you this was just on normal <laughs> Yeah, it was on normal, but, um, it is interesting, like, because it is fun, like to sit there and start very weak. And, you know, for me early on the early fights, it wasn't so much a worry that I was going to lose. Right. It was that I was designing this guy to be a boxer. Right. First and foremost, his job is to knock you out. That is what I'm trying to do. I am trying to hit you to the ground and, hopefully having a position that when I go to the ground myself, I'm basically just laying my fist in your face and you're until Herb Dean comes over and pulls me off of you. That's my goal. (laughs) You know, that's what I'm working on. Uh, and maybe like weakening up parts of your body with kicks and, and, you know, body shots and all that good stuff. Uh, early on, it was really much a pain for me because, uh, if I was facing someone who was a wrestler, all they wanted to do was get me to the ground. And I would have rounds where I had done some damage, but then I all of a sudden find myself on my back. And it's not necessarily that I was in danger at any moment, but it was more of like, I can't escape. So I'm just trying because this guy has much better grapple ratings than I do and uh ground game ratings and i did at that point like i was only like one or two stars in these um Mm. but you know i would just have to try to find a way to survive which is felt kind of realistic in those fights um because that is the way it goes you know like 
you go back and you watch things like against GSP or um, even Ronda Rousey that was in Misha Tate those days like that's that's the reality with some people is like they're strikers and all of a sudden they find themselves on the ground and it's just like okay how do I get out of this maybe the way I get out is I just make sure I don't take any significant damage and don't give them a submission and that's basically what I had to learn how to do but then as I got later on and I got to the championship level and all that and I was really doing a ton of training every week um I basically got to a point where even my ground game was so solid that if I was, if a wrestler took me down, I was basically (laughs) doing everything I could to just get out of it, you know, because I was like, I don't want to be here and I've put enough damage onto you where I know I have more stamina than you do at this point. So you're not going to be able to hold me down here. So I'll just wait for my opportunity, get out and then promptly probably finish them in like five or six more hits because I've already done enough damage. <laughs> um but you know it it is cool like you get to pick out your 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 intro music. Um of course I came in to run the jewels because Killer Mike is the most BA guy on the planet. You get the full production of you know once you get to that top level like early on you're just being announced and it's fight night whatever, right? No no flare, no flash, but once you get to those UFC uh main events and all that and you've got Bruce Buffer going in there it's time you know and being able to have like a celebration or ton or whatever uh that was my own do you ever have James Brown singing <laughs> living in America I wish that was in this game if you could put your own music in this game god I would... well like I was talking before the show um in the game itself Alan Parsons Project Cyrus which is the Bulls opening theme is in this game. I don't know why it is, but it is, but it's not selectable for your entrance music. And I was like, why, why would you rob me of this? This is my childhood right here. Uh, you know, and, uh, but you know, it is, it's fun. I I guess is the best way I could say is it's fun, but it's not perfect. And meaning that the game is fun when it's working great, but then there are some times where it's not working great. Um, for one, there are, uh, with these training and sparring exercises, right? There are some objectives because of the controls, just not being perfect. It feels like, um, they're near impossible to pull off to get the points that you're trying to acquire for your training. And you just don't know what you're going to get, uh, from week to week in these sessions. Right. Um, so I would just be sitting there restarting and trying again and again to get my guy to do literally what it was telling me to do on the screen and it would never work the way it was supposed to like it was one that was supposed to be like I was supposed to hit him with like three running hooks but the thing is is that the training guy is consistently walking forward <laughs> at me so therefore my guy would never actually run when I did the move so that sucked um yeah there was a point when I was trying to do submissions and finally see how to do that. And it was like, get to side control and I'm reading the instruction and it's not working. No matter what I do, he's not responding the way he's supposed to, which is again, what, what my main reason why I avoid, avoid submissions, which I I actually really like that style too. Like GSP was one of my favorite dudes back in the day. Um, and all of that. But, uh, 
the biggest one though is there are a couple of times in fights where someone would go into a takedown motion on me and either they would just keep running me into the cage and consistently run until the time for the round expired uh, or I would just freeze like we would just freeze in time and space in the middle of the ring in this takedown formation again until the end of the round and then it would just reset and be fine so you know it's kind of a little bit breaking I guess you could say when um <laughs> when you're trying to you know have this realistic thing and all of a sudden um it it, it just completely freezes up in that way uh, also certain things, they really do become old very quick. Even like while the Bruce buffer stuff was cool, the intros are always completely the same. They don't feel like they have too much distinction to them. Um, which kind of sucks. You know, I wish there was a little bit more freedom to make something unique. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the big ones out there, but like, you know, when, like when Ronda Rousey was in her height and she would come to the ring and she was kind of walking in like she was Mike Tyson in a way, right? Just like right. stone face walking fast as hell with the hood up and just, you know, look like she was about to end whoever was in her way. Like I want that kind of intro for my guy, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, even like back in fight night in the day, you could like choose what kind of robe you had on and, and all of that. Here it's just kind of like, what music do you want? And then what kind of little dance thing do you want to do when you get there? There's no point like where, um, there's no point like where you can be like when they do touch gloves, be like, no, nah, screw you. I ain't touching your gloves. You can't do that kind of stuff. And that just doesn't fully feel realized at this point. Maybe that's something, uh, cause it feels like they do these games every two years instead of every year. Maybe that's something, when we get to next gen, they can start to build out more and do it. Um, the other weird part, there's no Joe Rogan in the game, right? Uh, when I think of like the three faces of UFC, as far as they're generational and are always there, it's Bruce Buffer, it's Dana White and it's Joe Rogan, right? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and it's just, it doesn't feel fully realized like, when and I guess it's probably I, I would think in part it's probably because Joe Rogan is a guy who's incredibly rich at this point um, <laughs> and therefore can choose what he wants to do and probably can also charge a very hefty fee to have him do those things. Um, but it is just a little bit, you know, disheartening because I would love to you're going for this immersion thing. And that is a big part is even if it's not Joe Rogan, just having a guy in there come in and talk to you whether you win or lose um about what went right what went wrong and maybe giving the player the choice of things they can do like am i going to be a jerk and just say obnoxious things and maybe having a an effect of either people love it or hate me for it right or being this guy who's you know like the people's champ or something like that i want that kind of freedom when i'm playing something like this as far as a career mode because then i think it it does feel realistic. The other thing too, I don't know why Dana White in this game looks like a marshmallow. I don't know <laughs> how it is that Bruce Buffer looks great. The refs look great. Um, all the fighters in here look very much like them real cells. Like you couldn't get Dana White's bald head in here for 
you know, an hour one day to do a head scan of them the way you do for everyone else, because it's just, it, it's so weird to have like the president of this whole entire thing. A guy who's, you know, like I've seen commissioners in other sports games. Like you see Adam's, uh, Adam Sessler. No, not Adam Sessler. Adam. Uh, I can't remember his last name. The dude's head of the NBA now silver Adam silver. Uh, you see him in NBA 2K whenever you win the title or you're getting your ring or uh, getting the MVP award, right? And it makes it feel real because that's what happens in real life. Uh, so it's it's just kind of weird that Dana White is here um, and and like just looks like some kind of skin from the xbox 360 era <laughs> as far as like he's from the original ufc game they just like no oh, we don't need to update that uh yeah. i'd also eventually like to see them add in the way in like they have it where when the game is loading you can see the way in a little bit right um but it would be again it would be cool to actually have that because it's a big part of ufc culture you know it's the thing that everyone watch they always put them up on youtube for free usually uh, where people watch it and a lot of cool, interesting things happen in that. It's it's entertaining. It's you know it's theater in a way. It's like the one time where it's a little bit closer to professional wrestling than real art. Like I think about even when Connor went and boxed Mayweather. Like their their press conferences they did uh, in the lead up to that were some of the most hilarious things to watch. Right, uh, and really hyped that fight up. And I would love to have that here because. You know, while it was cool to win the belt and it definitely didn't try to downplay any of that, um, it was just kind of after that, it was like, okay, well, I got the belt and we'll just see what happens next, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think it's a game that if you're a UFC fan, I could definitely see someone who really understands everything and maybe is trying to take the time. Uh, or has like maybe was already a master at this game because of they spent countless hours here. I think there's a lot here for you to like. Um, there's a bunch of our modes uh, that I really didn't get into just because they didn't interest me uh, with the time I had and all that. I was here for career mode because that is my my jam in these kinds of games. Um, but you know, I think there's more to like than dislike for those who are the core fans and want to invest their time for other people coming in. I definitely think if you've played other boxing games or just fighting games in general, uh, like when you're doing these training sessions and such, they do a good job of teaching you good combos and moves to use, uh, that really do work in the real fights. Um, so if you, if you liked those things, I think there's something for you here, maybe not the higher difficulties, you might have some of the same issues I had. Uh, as far as people that just don't really care too much about this, I don't think this is anything groundbreaking where you're like, no, 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 no. you need to experience this. Because I would tell someone who's not even a basketball fan, you should just go watch NBA 2K somewhere one day and be impressed how well that's made, right? I don't know if I would say that for here. Like, I wouldn't tell you to fire this up uh, and try it out because I don't think it's going to be anything that speaks to you. Not um, a John game. Yeah, and, and that's fine. But yeah, um, besides that, I, I think that's about it. No, it's not. Oh, what? What? Oh, yeah. You want me to give it, Richard? Do you feel like you should? Yeah, sure, I can. 
I'd give this game a solid 7.5. I think it's a good game. <laughs> I think it's a good game. Um, like I said, it's got some little issues. Maybe EA can work those out in patches. Like there wasn't anything groundbreaking. Um, I enjoyed most of my time and certain moments in it, but like I could see once you've done the career mode once, unless you just want to really commit to making a different fighter, I don't know what else there is for you there unless you're wanting to go fight online or just do random fights against people and see some dream matchups. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good time. I definitely would say if you like if you if you've played any of the UFC games and you love them, then I then this is probably something for you to go get on day one. Otherwise, I would say if you enjoyed the UFC games or you just have been curious about them and you liked UFC in in real life, maybe when this game is on sale or if it comes to EA Access and you have that, maybe that this would be a perfect game to go pick up for that. That's wonderful. <laughs> I never thought that someone could make like I'm still not going to play it. Yeah. But at least at least uh, at least I've been proven wrong that somebody could make this sound interesting. It I mean, yeah, there's a lot of cool culture to it, right? Yeah. So, just like even like the first time I got a a spinning back fist, I was like, "Oh, I'm about to do this 10 times in this next fight." Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to do it. Like someone walks up and you're just like, Fuck. <laughs> slap across the face. Yeah. Did you, and did you try any multiplayer? No. <laughs> okay. Oh, I was I knew what would happen there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I knew. I'm not I'm not dumb. <laughs> uh but you want to do some news? Oh yeah. Okay. All up the press and straight to your ears. Weekly Games Chat presents the news. I went long that time. It was kind of like uh, my uh, my Spanish uh, soccer goal moment, right? Goal. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> John, because I know you love this studio, and I just talked for forty minutes about UFC. Why don't you go first? All right. Deathloop has been delayed uh, for 2021 uh, until 2021. Arcane mm. Studios has announced that Deathloop has been delayed to Q2 of 2021 specifically. The developer of the Dishonored series and Prey indicated on Twitter that working from home is prohibiting the creation and polish of the game, making it uh, quote uh, making it take quote longer than normal. The game will now launch next spring uh, between April and June. Quote, the extra yeah. time will allow our team to bring uh, Deathloop's world to life with as much character and fun as you've come to expect from our team. And Chris, I haven't really done any... I need to put together some sort of chart to see how how empty... Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a good thing, yeah. but how empty our fall lineup is going to actually be when we actually put it all together. Yeah, I mean, uh, when when you're seeing games like Halo you know, that obviously Microsoft won at launch. I don't think it's um, it's crazy to believe that a bunch of games that were not close to completion before um, are going to potentially be delayed. I'm really happy for them, though, because we've, we've spoken about this before, like with uh, Bethesda. They just seem to put a lot of, like, their games and others 
in the fall, I guess because of probably financial reasons. And I never understand why, because I'm like, this game, if it even, if it had gotten nines on release, I don't think it would have gotten done nearly as well as it's probably going to do in April and June between that period, right? It'll have a much better chance of success if it shines. Yeah, you've got a situation where, you know, the, the pandemic is going to allow Arcane Studios to say to Bethesda, see, yeah, see what happens when... A, a decision is made for us that you never would have made. The only games obviously that, that they can manage to put in the fall are fallout games and elder scrolls, uh, elder scrolls games, yeah. maybe the occasional doom, but even doom, I would put, you know, in a different month. Doom I, think will, I think doom, you're right. Doom will do better. Like, you know, the fact that it came out of March this year definitely yep. helped, but, I'm with you too that like if they needed to like if you said Doom is coming out in September and there wasn't our first person shooter that month I mm-hmm. it would totally make bank I think totally yeah you know what could also make some bank eventually virtual reality yes according to reports it has been confirmed Sony is developing a next generation VR headset however it might not be related to PlayStation VR a job listing explains that Sony is hiring a team to create a, quote, next-generation VR head-mounted display. The project is be- being developed with a target of five years from now. PSVR 2 has yet to be confirmed, but it's possible that the core Sony Corporation is working on its own VR unit alongside was intended for SIE and PSVR. Now, I would imagine that PSVR will just con continue to be iterated upon as we go into this generation right like i think they've said already that um it won't need the little box that it currently needs for the ps4 but from what this sounds like this sounds like more of like okay oculus has made a wireless unit and you know other people are working towards that too so i would imagine that's what this is going to be the long-term design is having a vr finally from sony that is just a headset and can play playstation games on it or playstation vr games and it'll be uh it'll cost two thousand five hundred dollars well that's why we're waiting for five years john they gotta put that they gotta put that new ssd they got in the playstation 5 in there and then they ain't got that problem (laughs) Because it loads in 2.5 seconds. Yeah. Mark Cerny's I mean, got it all right. I mean, I, I don't, I, I would assume that mid, maybe, maybe towards the middle of the generation, mm-hmm. they will put in a, they will release a PSVR 2. Because mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the thing hasn't been out incredibly long. It hasn't really been out that long. Like three years? Yeah. Right. If that. Yeah. So they've got time. They just, uh, but, but I would, I would hate to see if this is, I, I, it looks like Sony has fully invested in PSV, PSVR. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's yeah. the best selling platform. Um, but they've got to do something to make it more user friendly. Um, That's why I think it's a five year thing. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, hey, we've, we've proved this can work and that it can have an environment, right? Now it's kind of like that stage of going from, I would say the equivalent of where we went from with say N64 and the original PlayStation to eventually Xbox 360 PS3, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying yeah. to get to that point where things can really start to be realized on it. Well, let's hope that they uh, get it assembled quick. Speaking oh. of assembling, 
Avengers Assemble. 15 unannounced characters have been data mined from the Marvel's Avengers beta. The characters are Ant-Man, the Wasp, Vision, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Falcon, Marvel, uh, Mockingbird, Quake, Winter Soldier, Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, Kate Bishop, She-Hulk, and War Machine. Now, many of these characters, Chris, have similar powers to the existing roster, Mm. so they could just be skins. Uh, Time, of course... uh, uh, will tell or life life will uh uh find a, a way, way. <laughs> so you were I mean, so they, they, were, they were so they were, worried about john if they could do it they didn't stop to ask if they should <laughs> you were so busy thinking about whether you could you did not stop to think if you should but yeah uh if if uh if <laughs> if uh this avengers game doesn't have more characters coming it's I mean, it's not going to last very long. That's for sure. John, uh, I I refuse to believe that you don't subscribe to chaos. Um, yeah, this feels like you know now after all the uh, outrage with Spider Man, right? This now is making a lot more sense when you see this. It kind of feels like they're moving the model of both um, Ultimate Alliance. And then really more so that mobile game they used to have um, mm. where it's like, hey, because this is from what everything I'm gathering, it's basically their destiny game, right? It's it's aiming to be like they were doing that in a way on mobile. And then someone said, why would we do that on mobile when we can do it on consoles and make it really nice? Right. And people yep. will probably be more willing to spend money. Um, so I'd be willing to bet you know, the service will be okay. Every quarter we're going to release three characters for you to buy. And each one's going to cost you $10 or something like that. Right. That's, that's how, that's how I would do it. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I don't, I don't remember if they've indicated whether they will have microtransactions for this. I think this is the microtransactions though. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, they would have to, I don't think they're going to allow you to just go in and buy a character. I think they're going to allow you to mm-hmm. buy a character pack the way might, uh, yeah. Ultimate Alliance would, would yeah. the way Ultimate Alliance does. Maybe. Um, but why do that when you could charge? Well, okay. What they'll do is they'll say, okay, for $15, you can get Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Vision, right? You can get those three for $15, or you can pay individually $7. So that's going to be the way they do it. I just want Ant-Man, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Winter Soldier. I would, I'll, get, I'll get that arm. I would totally, <laughs> because especially if she's not so much like how she is in the MCU and more of how she is in the comic, mm-hmm. um, Scarlet Witch, because she, she is B.A. <laughs> um, also, Captain Marvel would be fun, and... I'm trying to see. Doctor Strange would be really fun. You know, I don't know if I need to play as War Machine if I've got <laughs> Iron Man. Um, don't think I really need to play as Winter Soldier. Uh, there was one that they've apparently the best one to play is uh, not one of the core ones so far. It was from everyone that I was hearing from the demo. I can't remember her name, but they were saying she's really fun to play as. Oh, um. Mar- uh, isn't it a version of Marvel? I think it might be. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, her. 
no, it's not. It's not uh, Kate or whatever her name is. Mm. Well, those uh, those data mines prove that they are among us. Hey, a new report from the by the DFC Intelligence has revealed that as of mid twenty twenty, there are nearly three point one billion global video game consumers, with nearly eight billion people on the planet. That's with a B. Uh, that would make almost 40% of people play video games in some form. The fastest growing group are those who play exclusively on their smartphones. In fact, only 8% of those 3.1 billion players are dedicated console consumers. However, this was the group that spends the most money. Yeah, I mean, when you think of... Bernie calls the 1%. <laughs> we spend the money. When you When you think of, like, Asia country you know like whether you're talking about china japan vietnam korea especially like mm-hmm. pretty much i feel like those environments are 90 percent people on their mobile phones playing games right yeah tencent, tencent owns the world yes they do um, for now yeah and, and and i remember the the letter we got last week about um about the the girlfriend not necessarily liking um liking him play all these games he needs to just show him this fact you know well you know honey yeah 3.1 billion doesn't lie. Exactly. <laughs> there are 3.1 billion of us. It's like, what do Some you do for, are... what do you do for fun? Do 3.1 <laughs> other billion people do that? Some of us only play smartphone, but that's okay. It yeah, still counts. That's fine. Ish. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you know what does count? Sales uh, for July. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The MPD numbers have been released for July. Uh, with Ghost of Tsushima being the best-selling game of July 2020, and it has become the fifth best-selling game of 2020 so far. Mm-hmm. It was also the fourth highest launch month in record in regards, sorry, to dollar sales in U.S. history for a Sony-published title. Mm-hmm. Ghost was just ahead, just ahead of Call of Duty: Modern Warfare and Paper Mario. Yay! Here are the top 10 best-selling games for the month of July. Number one, Ghost of Tsushima. Number two, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number three, Paper Mario, The Origami King. Number four, um, The Last of Us Part Two. Number five, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number six, Ring Fit Adventure. I think it was on the list last month as well. That's where the 3.1 uh, billion come in. at number seven mortal kombat 11 number eight mario kart 8 deluxe number nine super smash brothers ultimate and number 10 sword art online alizization licorice do we need to cover this game if it came in at number 10 no (laughs) sword art online what is i know what that is i just don't know what it is i i don't know what it is um I'm just gonna by the title. I hear Japan, it all the time. It's Japan. Yeah, of course. It, I, I don't, but I, I'm not sure if it's a RPG of some sort. You know what my theory is or on Ring. Game. You know what my theory is on Ring Fit Adventure. Why it keeps popping up is pandemic. that like yeah, it's the pandemic, and mainly because of the fact that because of shortages. Like when this mm-hmm. all started, uh, you know, first everyone bought their mm-hmm. their toilet paper and their towels. And then, you know, finally they could get food again. And then a bunch of them, once it stabled, decided they wanted to start buying workout gear because they couldn't go to the gym. And you had the supreme shortages, which I think really, I went to, to Academy Sports the other day to look for shoes. And it was maybe the first time I actually saw some weights and like some bike stuff in there. You know, it's been a ghost town whenever I've gone in there before. 
So mm-hmm. I'm I feel like a lot of people were probably buying this because it was they have switches and it's available and it, you know, gives them a workout right there at home. Now if you if you pay attention to IGN, every couple of weeks they will let you know specifically mm-hmm. that Ring Fit Adventure is back in stock. Uh, there wow. was an article this week about it. Hmm. Um I actually I actually managed to get one and I need to continue to play it, but it's very fun. Hmm. Very fun. Um, but it's already, I believe, I think it's sold over 4 million copies, mm. which is huge. 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 So, but you know uh, what's also going to be huge, John? The DC fandom. Let's hope. August 22nd, we'll bring a 24-hour event featuring all the entertainment lineups for DC. That's comics. Uh, <laughs> however, mark your calendars for August 22nd at 5 p.m. Pacific time which will bring us the introduction of Rocksteady's new project featuring Suicide Squad. The panel description reads, Will Arnett host the highly anticipated video game reveal from Rocksteady Studios, creators of the Bart... The Bart... I called him Bartman. (laughs) (laughs) Remember Bartman? I used to read those comics. I love those comics. Uh, Batman Arkham franchise. Another panel will also uh, confirm for fans to see the first footage from the studio behind Batman Arkham origins didn't they have a reveal for that today john wasn't there like something they're today? doing like uh gradual teases on twitter ah, okay. like they're giving you a, they're doing the same garbage they've done for the past two years they gotcha. leaked something on twitter this little image here and there ah. but we're supposed to get a few a full reveal uh during this okay, okay uh this panel promises an official announcement and first look at the game speculation for this game for years focused on the adaption of the Court of Owls storyline. Weren't they even teasing that up here? In yes. In the uh, thing that they had yesterday? Let me see. Yeah. See? But the question the question is, I, I've, I've got to believe that this Rocksteady game is not, it's not a, a fall release. I don't I, I don't think it could be. Oh, no. Think, I don't think so. I think with their, I think with their, if they're doing anything, they're, they're dumping the um, Batman game in the fall. I could see that being the case, yeah. For me, because I would imagine if you're them and it's mm-hmm. been this long, it makes no sense why you're releasing this on current gen primarily. I would be wanting to release it uh, for the next gen, right? Yeah. And, uh, and see where it goes from there. Let me see. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if there's anything. There's a thing on Court of Vowels right now for... There, but I don't know if, on IGN, but I don't know if they're just explaining. Yeah, okay. Um, no, they're just speculating. All right. I'm sure you will play both of those games, though, John, because you, oh, for sure. you you enjoyed the Arkham Origins, and I know you enjoyed some of the other Arkham games from from Rocksteady. Yeah, you'll probably control them. <laughs> well, thinking of control. Control, which is uh, which you are actually playing as we speak, and I think it'll be my next casual game to play. I don't mean casual as in it's a casual game, but something I'm not playing for the show. Yeah. Um, Control your next gen. Existing owners of Control on console will not be getting a free upgrade to its PS5 and Xbox Series X versions. However, if you buy a new Ultimate Edition, you will. The Ultimate Edition... Uh, will be released on Steam on August 27th, followed by Epic Game Store, PS4, and Xbox One versions on September 10th. It will come with previous upgrades uh, upgrades, and both of the game's expansions. The free upgrade path only exists through this Ultimate Edition, which was confirmed through an FAQ. 
This sounds like a company that says I need money. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, this wasn't, this was their first game that wasn't uh, published by Microsoft. So I, it kind of sucks that they have to do this because I feel like usually they're really good at providing content for people, right? And mm-hmm. and yeah. being good to their fans. This just kind of sucks. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're EA or, uh, <laughs> or, or Remedy. Uh, I, I don't like to see this, you know, it, shoot. I don't like the fact that I got to pay a hundred bucks to 2k here in a couple of weeks, just so that I can have the next gen version of, uh, 2k 21 ready. But, you know, I guess like uh, the thing is I can't even recommend people to go buy this version, right? Because the game does not run particularly well still on an Xbox or a PlayStation. So really the only reason you would go buy this at this point um, would be if you're planning to get one of these next gen consoles at launch. Um, I, I still tell people, I'm like, look, the best place to play this game is on PC. Uh, so that's where I'm playing. I've, I got the uh, expansion today downloaded. So I've got the one that came out earlier this year and I'll play the other one on August 27th. Yeah, this is, um, this is definitely, an attempt and I and I almost understand it from from a company like Remedy they're they're not a huge huge studio they're huge. not you know I don't know that the game sold deliriously well I'm sh- I'm sure it made it I, I'm sure it did well for a game of its size for a publisher of this size or I'm oh, sorry a developer of this size but this is you know this this current gen to next gen thing was not in the it was not in conversation last gen mm-hmm um, and the fact that it is in the conversation this go around is a good thing, but True. it's a, it's 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 just a messy transition, and everybody's doing something different because nothing is standard yet. Yeah. Um, and this ultimate edition is probably giving you that next gen version to incentivize you purchasing it now, um, which which I can you know I understand. Um, with a with a developer like this you if you if you haven't played this game get the get the ultimate edition so that they can keep making more games that are good this is a quality studio maybe they'll at the very least have the game on sale um come this fall at some point this ultimate edition right so if you could yeah. pick it up i will say if you yeah if you are definitely getting one of these launch consoles uh and that game goes on sale for 30 bucks includes all the dlc right? Yes. Then it is totally worth your time to go pick this up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mark you your mark, calendar. Yeah, you should mark your calendar for it. <laughs> Speaking of marking your calendars, according to another controller leak, the launch date of the Xbox Series X will be November 6th. The leak comes by way of a warranty page for the controller, which lists November 5th, 2021. I think you mean 2020. Uh, no, it's. I'm sorry. I should. I should have been more clear on that sentence. It's. It's the end of the warranty. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that would be 365 days. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, this would suggest that the year warranty begins on November 5th or 6th. The box also. Uh, the boxes have a do not open date of November 6th. And their source alleged the controller packaging indicates that the item should not be sold until November 6th. We should only have to wait a little longer to get the official confirmation on the release date as well as the price. $699. <laughs> you see Phil was on uh was on the Animal Crossing show this week? 
I saw that. I didn't, yeah. well, I didn't see it, see it, but I, but I, um, that's why I love the dude. The dude. Yeah. Man, I mean, just watching a, Phil try to sit on a couch in animal crossing is hilarious <laughs> with as Gary Wood is just sitting there with a the crown on and you're just like, right. I was like only the head of Xbox would go on a freaking animal crossing show <laughs> to talk that's about right. his console and everything going on. But yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that this is probably right. You know, if they were saying November, like the launch of the Xbox one was pretty much the first week of November. So this sounds like it's right in a good place, right? It's a couple weeks mm-hmm. before Black Friday. Um, Black Friday. It's after the election. So you'll be past that stuff. It, it to me, I, I don't see why they're not announcing other than they're just like, maybe Sony will finally go before we go. So we can know they should just come out and be like, no, we're bringing a hammer. Here it is. You know? Yeah. Who knows? I do know that there's something that makes you excited next in the news. Oh yeah. Uh, Skyward sword rumored for Nintendo switch, Amazon UK possibly leaked the existence of a Skyward sword for switch noted by the Twitter user, Wario 64. He's reliable. Appeared. Huh? I said he's reliable. Seriously, I'm not done. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the listing appeared for a short time before promptly being taken down. This leak doesn't confirm anything specifically, but does suggest a Nintendo Switch port in the future. In fact, the game has been teased a few times by E.G. Anuma saying that an HD remake is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, Chris, sentimentally, from a sentimental perspective, this is my favorite Zelda game. I remember we were living together when this came out, and you were in your room for like three weeks, just loving it. Well, yeah, as, as a matter of fact, I think I was living with you at the time, but mm-hmm. I, um, I just remember me and my wife, your wife, um, we set up two TVs in, in, uh, in her apartment mm-hmm. and we just played the game together for a few days. <laughs> so Nerds. it was just, I mean, that's what I mean by sentimental. I just yeah, love yeah. it so much. Plus, um, I, I don't think anybody would argue if they if they've played the game that the story itself, the actual story, is the best mm. story they've ever done. I would really, really well done. Um, Hope it's true. Hope it's true. I, I I'm actually surprised it's taken this long, just because you know, for the last couple of years, it's felt like they've been recycling back all those Wii ones, right? You know, first you had yeah. Twilight, um, and they've done, of course. Majora's Mask at one point on 3DS and along with uh, thing Ocarina of Time and all that. And what was the one you guys played last year? Uh, Link's Awakening. Yeah, that was what? Game Boy? Right? Yeah, that was yeah. Game Boy. But, yeah, but so. the, problem, the problem with Skyward Sword is, uh, is probably how to keep the essence of yeah. the game and deciding if they're going to use the Joy-Cons as motion controls, if that's even possible. I don't I don't see how it couldn't be possible. Well, you have I'm HD sure Rumble. It, what? Remember, you have HD Rumble in there. Yeah. So you can feel the four different ice cubes. I can feel the sword going through the yeah. flesh. Um, yeah, but, you know, they, they're probably spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to make it work on a different type yeah. of motion control. I have no doubt, though, it will look beautiful because that game did look beautiful 
Yeah, yeah. It very it had a very impressionistic art design, and I hope mm. they figure out a way to keep that. In other words, when you you know in the background was very fuzzy and and mm. and not all focused in, and it just had a really nice effect. I hope they don't get rid of that um, for the HD remaster. I would hate that. We'll see. I I'd, I'd like them to showcase the Speaking original vision of a showcase. <laughs> Nintendo had an indie showcase. Include things such as Supergiant's roguelike Hades Hades. coming this fall. Believed to be in final form, which makes sense since that's what they said. And not on here, but this is cool. Uh, Cross save on that. So for folks like me who have been playing on Steam all these months, if I also want to buy this on Switch, that means I can, you know, make an official new poop game. And it's a perfect game to be a poop game. Uh, Spirit Fair launched on Tuesday and is a cozy management game that has some players exploring the afterlife and helping souls to their final resting place. Isn't that what Hades is? Uh, Garden <laughs> Story is set for release in 2021. You play as a town guardian uh, cultivating life in the grove. In this Animal Crossing, <laughs> restore the town and make friends. Raja or Raji, an ancient uh, epic, is the first game from Nodding's Head Games and is set in ancient India. It features a girl chosen by the gods to fight against the demonic invasion. Launched on the console yesterday. Sounds cool. Torchlight 3 is heading to the Switch sometime this fall. That makes no surprise to me because that game is everywhere. We're coming everywhere. <laughs> uh, Evergate is out now and is a dream puzzle platformer on a quest to save the afterlife, discovering your character's memories as you go. Got a lot of Ori vibes from this one. Did not see it. Untitled Goose Game. Hey, is coming to the platform and will launch with a two-player coop or co-op on <laughs> September 23rd. I've played a little bit of Untitled Goose Game, John, and it is, uh, it's very charming. Also, I bet it is. It's charming to just see, like, so your goal in this game is to be a jerk to this guy <laughs> and just make his life hell. It was like, sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah, look, I will watch any Nintendo showcase mm-hmm. that is announced, but I, I'm i almost as equally frustrated with Nintendo right now mm-hmm. as I am with uh, the other platforms not announcing their prices and their release dates, things like that, because I have absolutely no idea. I... I I just I don't I, I want to know what they're what they got. Yeah. They they had to have had something ready for E three. Well, and you have to you have to believe that, you know, COVID nineteen is taking a toll on maybe a cer- certain projects, which is why they haven't, you know, shown any footage or anything. But I know that they're planning something Mario related and I just want I, you know, that's all that's really all I want from them is just to announce Super Mario Sunshine. Um, and that's it. I don't care about anything else. Just smart. There's Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> Do they have anything this fall? Major? Like, is it just going to be Lego there's Mario? Pikmin, there's Pikmin 3 that they announced. Um, no, no, no. Something new <laughs> this well, fall. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know. But um, I don't think so. Yeah, because, I mean, I know they're working on Breath of the Wild 2. They're working on Metroid. I would assume they're working on Donkey Kong. Um, it's been a while since we've had Kirby, right? Or was that this year? No, Yoshi was this year, right? Yeah, and it and it depends on Donkey Kong. Depends on who's working on it because Retro's yeah. not working on that. That's true. That's a fair point. Uh, but who knows? I mean, yeah, they're of all the developers out there. I think they would be the one that 
just because of the fact that they probably don't have the same level of internal organization resource that uh, especially Sony has, right? But even Microsoft, because they're like, money. (laughs) We made trillions of dollars last year. We can pay for wherever we need. So I'm not shocked, you know, and it's, I know I've given them hard times before for maybe having a very slim amount that they actually put out that would be considered AAA um, besides ports of things that are coming to their consoles. Uh, but, you know, it's it's pretty hard to blame anyone right now for, for having a light schedule, right? Shishetra. Yeah, for sure. So the only other thing that I can see that is quote-unquote major Mm-hmm. Um, which they haven't really they haven't really made a release date yet, but Bravely Default Two is supposed to be coming out at some point. Mm, but that's be. about it. That's I'd also it. like to hear something on uh, a sequel to Octopath. God, wouldn't wouldn't we all? Yeah, that'd be cool. Hey, John. So, yeah. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you wanted it and you got it. More Apple (laughs) slash Epic news. Apple's Epic response. According to a recent statement from Apple, quote, we won't make an exception for Epic because we don't think it's right to put their business interests ahead of the guidelines that protect our customers. The problem Epic has created for itself is one that can be easily remedied, end quote. The remedy is obviously creating a version of the app that does not offer direct payments to Epic Games. In addition to this, Apple re- revealed its core <laughs> by threatening to ban. You're proud of yourself code. for putting that in there. Love it. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> uh, by threatening to ban Unreal Engine code that it uh, that it offers, Unreal Engine four or five, whatever Unreal Engine that it offers to outside game developers to help them make apps of their own. Mm. Apple is attacking Epic's ability to provide resources to developers interested in using their engine to make games on the app store. According to Epic quote, if the unreal engine can no longer support Apple platforms, the software developers that use it will be forced to use alternatives with Apple's threat to cut Epic off from iOS and Mac development in every conceivable way. They are asking the court to intercede on what Epic calls uh, retaliation. And Chris, we when, should, uh, before we go that, we should probably recap because this was not, this broke Friday, right? Thursday was when I feel this, like it, it, I feel it, like it, maybe it did, maybe it was Friday. It just yeah. seems a little weird. So what happened was Epic basically came in and on the iOS version of Fortnite allowed people to start to put direct payments to buy the V-Bucks that people spend on skins and battle passes. And on top of that, they also discounted them as far as uh, what the cost was versus what you would pay for them in the iOS store. The reason being, when you buy something from the iOS store, it does not matter what it is, Apple, much like Steam on Steam, gets 30%, right? Uh, so they went and did this. As soon as they did that, Apple took Fortnite off the store, and then Epic came back and released a parody in Fortnite of their famous 1984 ad, uh, and then also announced that they were suing them for basically forcing them to have to, or not allow to have uh, their own online store uh, that, you know, is in their ecosystem, I guess, on their app. Does that, that sound yeah, about I, right? 
for summer? Yeah, that, that, that's that's precisely right. And I think I was conflating um, what Apple is going through right now with uh, Microsoft as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 that's fair. That's probably where I just, I, I thought I thought we'd covered that chapter last, last time, week, yeah. but clearly we did not. So I yeah. do apologize for that. But, but it's funny to me that, you know, if you're the, like, for example, just the president of the United States, your foreign policy advisors have the ability to say, so the United States is going to do this, but here's what Russia is going to do in response. Mm-hmm. And when Russia does that in response, here's what we're going to do. And when we do that, here's what Russia is going to do. And when Russia does that, here's the, all the other countries who are going to respond to us. Mm-hmm. They're able to map that out almost precisely because of their knowledge of foreign policy. I don't know why any lawyer at Epic was unable to tell Epic, all right, you're going to do this. Now here's what Apple's going to do to you. I don't know if they saw this coming, um, but it's a, it's a smart move on their part because I was, when this all started breaking Friday, I was like, what is the likely outcome of this? Right. Um, before they did this retaliation where you want to call it. And I was like, you know, I think at some point Apple will sell this because they're the only ones that have something really to lose in it. And I would imagine for them, the fear is right. That if they just, if they lost a court case to Epic on this and it comes back with the ruling that basically says, Hey, you're not allowed to limit anyone from ever doing anything within their own app on your system as long as it's meeting your guidelines right as far as a real app they're gonna have a hard time getting some uh predatory uh apps that come out of places like china uh that are aiming to just find ways to you know abuse people and get as much money out of them as possible right or maybe expose them to certain uh payment systems that are not well protected and safeguarded. So I could see their side of like, that would be devastating for us. So in my mind, I was like, something tells me they would negotiate out and try to find a way to make this work. Right. Where they're like, look, we'll let you put your thing on there as long as you charge the exact same prices as you do on the store and you don't advertise it. Right. Like it's an option there. And you can just select which one you want to do. We won't have a problem. I could have easily seen that the realistic one because that's a lot better option to them than losing this court case. Um, But now, you know, this is definitely an interesting one. And I'm sure it's going to come down to directly um, how how the courts intervene. If the courts say, no, you can't just do that all of a sudden. And I definitely think of the two ones, I would imagine this would be a much harder one for them to uphold. Right. Because it is pretty retaliatory and you're like, hold on, wait, this has already been vetted by you and everything else. As far as meeting guidelines in your system. And all of a sudden, just because this uh, group is suing you on something else as unrelated to it. Um, that really, really would be a hard one to say that, you're not doing this for a specific region, right? I don't know how the court case in the end would go if it actually went the distance. That could go a lot of ways when you're talking about a civil court case with 14 people on the jury and you don't only you only have to win eight of them, right? Um, but you, you, you're right in to say that it was retaliatory, but yeah. Epic was the first person to be retaliatory. Yeah, I mean, and 
they they didn't go through, they, there were no discussions on the table before they just dumped this this update under their under their game well that we know of right well oh, yeah i guess um, yeah. i mean i'm sure that they got the 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 proverbial no mm. you know maybe they did approach the the topic but you know it's funny even if they sort of i just don't see any I don't see any way that Apple can agree to this because if they do agree to this, mm. it just snowballs out of control for every other, every other developer publisher that puts stuff on their, on their platform. And the, the, the cuts, the 30% cut that they get from these gaming apps, it accounts for 40% of their annual revenue. Yeah. That's why they don't I mean, want this. We're talking, we're talking, gosh, $18 billion. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And it's, that prevents people from getting the net that prevents people from getting an Apple update mm-hmm. every year that probably every three years. You know? But I guess Just, that the fair point to them is like, well, how much does Epic lose right every year because they're being forced to pay a fee and they're like, well, we could just do this directly ourselves. And you're like, why couldn't you you know like right now does anyone care if does apple care right now if you go on your pc and buy your v bucks directly through them they don't they only care if you're on there so i guess i guess that's the point that they're looking at i i see they're like i'm not like looking at epic and be like they're doing this be you know because they're taking a stand for the consumer right i think they're doing this because this is probably the most profitable time in Epic's career, right? And we've seen them kind of do this with challenging Steam as far as what they were doing to people on in that industry by saying, look, we'll gladly just take a 10% hit um, for you. But, I mean, I don't know. There is there is a like uh, an interesting thing theoretical line to debate here for a court to say like well why is it if something is meeting your guidelines and you're offering it like you know if epic's saying look we have no problem with you buying from apple right you can totally buy this product from apple if you want but at the same time you can also buy this product directly from us and you're using our app right now so we have no problem advertising you know those things because guess what those are our servers that are going through that app those are uh you know we're the ones who are mitigating all this not just apple and you know the more apple kind of fights this i i think like the more theoretical hard one is is the xbox and stadia one where you're just like well come on man you're just changing rules around because you don't like the fact that you're not getting a cut for this um but Still, I don't know. I, I don't know how this would go. I like I do not pretend to know how this would go, but I definitely can see a point of convincing jurors that like you you talk about just how much money it is versus like what Epic puts into that game to make it work on phones for its consumers and everything. And you're going, Apple is basically just trying to take a check on top because they know it's a cash machine for them to do it. I mean, I, I guess I don't I don't see how Apple and this isn't this isn't talking about Epic directly. I don't see how Apple changed the rules on Microsoft. Well, I mean, like in the sense there's of no, they allowed they, it. I mean, you, would have, you would have to say that there's another there's another platform like it that is getting away with doing it the way Microsoft wants to do it. But they're letting that 
platform do it. They uh they let the beta in there and then they revoked it back once it was ready to go pro. And like once they were going to start to make money off of it basically because now it's associated with uh Games Pass Ultimate, right? Before it was just testing a certain amount of games that if you already own them, you could go ahead and you can try them out on uh Games Pass or I'm sorry on XCloud and go to your phone. Now they're like the reason they don't want it on there is because they're like, well, if you're playing this game on there, we want a cut of that when you play it on there. That seems to be why they don't want to allow it. Same with Stadia, right? I mean, yeah, I guess so. But I, I just, I, I still see it as, I still see it as a consistent position uh, from Apple. Look, I mean, the 30% is standard across the board, except for Epic, which charges 12% for their games on their, on their Epic store. But PlayStation Store charges 30%. Steam charges 30%. The question I have, this is fun. If you buy a game on the Steam app in the App Store, do they get a cut of the Steam purchase? <laughs> I mean, That's it's possible. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's very weird. I don't know. It's, I, I, I think it's a big thing. But like I said, in the end, if they can't get this, I think I will say this. If they all of a sudden say Unreal Engine anything uses that as coming off the store, I think this ends very freaking quickly. <laughs> but if it, if there's a hold on that, right, to get debated, um, you know, Epic definitely has the money to to pony up, right? They're kind of like Rockstar now where it's like, how much do you think they make off of Fortnite in just one month, right? Yeah, but they've, billion but, they, but they've challenged, they've challenged the one company that could bleed them to death. They could, but I mean, like, see, but that's, this is, but that's this the is, thing. They're they, not, they can afford the lawyers for this. That's, that's my point. Like if you're pulling in, if Fortnite pulls in $5 billion a month, you're going to be able to afford this, this case. That's not going to be the problem, right? You know, you've probably, sure. you've probably already talked to your lawyers and said, what would be the total cost to bring this through litigation if it goes all the way? And I'm sure they told them their number and they said, that is perfectly fine. That is worth the opportunity, right? But now if you're coming back and you're saying, oh, well, what is the cost of us losing all these developers from putting Unreal Engine <laughs> on uh, yeah. an iOS? That's a very different conversation there. I mean, I don't know this. I don't know this for sure, but Unreal Engine is not the most prevalent engine for smartphone games. I think it's, I don't think so. I think it's the Unity engine. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, so I don't really know to what extent they'd be taking that kind of hit. I'm sure it'll be bad, mm. but we're talking PC and console games that are typically utilizing the engine. Well, what if they're, I mean, I, I guess the question is if there are a number of, um, of like non-gaming things that uh, Unreal is used, right? Just because it has code within it, that would be yeah. good. Because if that's yeah. the case, then it really, really gets bad. Yeah, I just don't remember the last time I've seen um, Unreal on a smartphone game. Yeah. I, I I don't know that I've ever seen one, unless it's Fortnite. But yeah, Fortnite would probably be the biggest one, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I just feel. I just look. I don't see any good guys here. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not rallying around one a billion dollar company versus a billion dollar company. This is what pe- this is what billion dollar companies do to yeah. They almost they almost do it because they are bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I, the only part that made me laugh was the fact that 
how they used the 1984 ad on them. Cause I was just like, yeah, remember when you guys used to be the little dog that was like, you know, that was doing all this artistic stuff and edge cutting, right. And all that kind of stuff. And it's like, nah, you became no different than the Microsofts that you used to rail against, <laughs> you know, once the money gets made and you're talking trillions of dollars, right. Then it's just about, it's, it's about protecting your bottom line. A lot of the times. Look, I, I just, I look at all this as an agricultural reference. If, if I'm a, if I'm a farmer and you want to, you, you want to use my land to farm your crop, I get 30% of what you, of what you, of what you get. I get 30% of the yield. I get 30% of the profit, whatever the agreement is. And that's, and that's fundamentally what this is. You are, you are putting your, you're putting, you're putting your stuff on my cultivated land. I guess that would you be the way you, you don't have this platform, but for me, I own this platform and you want to use it. You want to rent a place. You have to pay the landlord. I guess and their challenge will be what would be like, well, hold on. Yes. When you go to Best Buy and you buy something, right? Like if Apple goes and sells their phone there, right? Best Buy, of course, gets a cut. As you said, it's their land, it's their store, it's their storefront, right? But mm-hmm. Apple doesn't then, or I'm sorry, Best Buy doesn't then get a cut of everything you buy on the Apple store from Apple that's separate out of that experience. So I guess that's the question that the theolog- or theoretical question to debate here, or whatever you want to call it, um, like is... If I'm not actually in the app store, if I'm in the app, something that is at that point being ran by by Epic, right? It's their store. Do they have a right to put something up there for their for themselves? Why do they have to go back to this other store to sell it? Which they are also selling in, right? They, they they're saying we want to offer in both places. I think that yeah. would be the harder debate for them if they weren't doing that, like if they just said Nope, we're not going to offer this on the iOS, but like, I guess they're saying, well, you know, someone has a PayPal account that we already have on file, you know, and they just want to go straight to our store. We're doing what's in the interest of the consumer there than versus say the person who has gotten a gift card, an Apple gift card, right. And wants to go spend that on the V bucks. Sure. But you don't go into a Best Buy and on, and, and where it says price for a 4k TV, it Mm. doesn't say free to walk out of the store. I mean, in the app store, it's free to start, free to play, free to do this. And that's where the transactions are made. You can't walk out with, you can't walk out of Best Buy with a 4K TV and then pay them for, and then start paying Best Buy for the things you do with the TV. Yeah, but again, when they're going to come back and they're going to say, but we did pay Apple because you have to pay to be on the Apple store, right? You have to buy a development kit and then you have to pay for certification of your app. So, you know, again, that's what they're arguing, I think, in their mind but, here. But, and this and, with, and to be fair, this this could be that too. This could be something that is much bigger than just Apple and them because like, you know, yeah, again, of course. It can affect if it can, Microsoft it can affect and PlayStation. Everything. Yeah, and everything else. And there is an interesting point there for a lot of companies to say, like, well, wait a minute, why is it that if someone just buys something directly from us, if we can support that kind of system, right? Uh, if we've got the money to set up that system, because for for a bunch of people, I don't think they have a problem with it, right? It's probably more convenient 
to say like, you know, if I was like an indie game developer and I had microtransactions in there, uh, in my game, right. It's probably a lot easier to go through something like the Xbox store in that case, because Microsoft has systems in place to protect your credit card information. Now you don't have to house that. You don't have to worry about, you know, potentially exposing people's data and getting sued for billions of dollars. Right. That's the advantage of going through either Apple, Microsoft, take your pick on the flip side. If you are paying to set up that system and everything else and, and, doing your own safeguarding like say like blizzard does with a lot of their stuff um then you're going like well why is it that this has to you know why can't this just be here when it already exists and it's we've paid for the certification we paid for all your other stuff that you required of us and we're the ones actually housing these servers that's there and you're just basically the middleman in the you know (laughs) Well, even in this sense, you're not the millman because your phone isn't doing anything outside of just being a phone, which you paid for, which means Apple got their cut of it. You know, I, I don't know. That That's the hard point to discuss. Well, the thing, the thing about Epic is I'm almost confident that Epic had a exploratory committee, you know, a group of lawyers looking at this type of stuff. Sure. But when Microsoft ran into Apple like that, I think Epic went, Go green light what do you have is it enough to go on can we do this now let's do this Fair. microsoft fighting with apple therefore now we have a green light to go yeah and so the question is can apple fend off two billion dollar companies that That's would be the, the worst thing right like because microsoft's not suing them and i guess if google came in and joined it too with stadia then it would be like ooh, this is really getting interesting right yeah then it would be a a battle for the soul of our nation and amazon just gets in for <laughs> the no reason. soul of our nation <laughs> yeah you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look, the soul is is related to GDP. That's right. <laughs> it's definitely in this country or company. All right. Let's uh let's wrap this up. Unless you got a problem with that. No, yeah, just to be safe. Okay. Never no, drippy. no drippies. Oh. <laughs> I didn't hear the part. It kept it kept going out. Oh, sorry. But anyway, uh, when people write their thoughts and prayers to us, thoughts and thoughts prayers, prayer. thoughts and prayers, they write them to weekly games chat at gmail.com, just like David did from okay. Northern Virginia. Long time writer. First time lover. Wait, what? Uh, he says, dearest Richards, I'm just now wrapping up the episode from last week and I realized something. I don't miss Sean at all. I'm kidding. (laughs) I miss Sean like a long lost lover and I really hope he's doing well and is able to return to the show soon. I'll say again, each of you brings your own unique personality and perspective on things and the absence of one of you is felt. That having been said, I gotta say, fellas, you two, Chris and John, are the archetype of good examples to the rest of us when it comes to disagreement. You guys alluded to your differences in saying your goodbyes to one another 
on Chris's final not episode or not final episode, but the differences between you two are more glaring when it's just you two dudes on the show. It's obvious that you have different perspectives on the world. And yet when you two are discussing something over which you have a difference of opinion, you both uh, absolute champs at wait for it. Listening, listening to the other person's perspective. What a concept. The world is current in a current state that could take a cue from you. Richards. Heck, I know a few listeners have gotten frustrated with hearing certain political slants slip through the cracks of your discussion, but I submit anyone who bails on weekly games chat uh, is missing the point. Chris and John are modeled baiters who can give us a lesson, 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 <laughs> on how to have civil discussion. One might even say, Chris and John, you are both both master debaters. Yes. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to give you two a virtual pat on the back and say, well done, guys. You two disagree really well, and you inspire me to do the same with others when I don't share their perspectives. I, too, want to be the master debater like yourself. And now a bit of a rant. Finally, <laughs> someone, a.k.a. Chris and John, spoke about the Wii U's failure and didn't talk about bad marketing. How about we just admit that we've been par- uh, parroting Reggie's PR speak uh, he fed us for years. When I first heard about the Wii U, I was intrigued, even exciting, excited at the possibility of a console gaming on the go. The Wii U gamepad looked like it would give me said ability. Then, however, I read the final print and realized I couldn't get more than 15 feet away from the console, so I skipped the Wii U. Now, I'm not saying that the masses weren't confused by what the Wii U actually was. What I'm saying is the Wii U just wasn't appealing as a product as the Wii and it sure as heck wasn't as appealing a product as the Switch, which currently achieved console gaming on the go. I submit that if the Wii U was truly a portable console, it would have been more successful. Perhaps not successful Switch, but who's to say it wouldn't have been the case. The Wii sold its masses by word of mouth. I submit the Switch has done the same. It drives me nuts that the general narrative about the Wii U's failure is the number of variances on Reggie's PR speak, which he wields like a, a rip. Uh, rapier uh, while Nintendo here uh, while at Nintendo here are some of his quotes that we all parrot we missed the opportunity to be clear on the concept or one of the things that we have to do better when we watch the NX we have to do a better job communicating the positioning for the product we have to do a better job helping people to understand the, its uniqueness and what it means for the gaming play experience contrast with the comments on the Wii U after he left Nintendo, he refers to the Wii U as a failure forward because it led to the Wii. Uh, um, I guess he, I think he means to say because it led to the Switch. He wrote Wii U though. Uh, I love Reggie, but his PR speak with regards to the Wii U has always left a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm happy to uh, to have heard you guys refer to its failure without parroting what we were all told the reason was the Wii U failed. Bad marketing? How about just not being a great concept in the first place? Okay, my wife is telling me to go cook dinner and you guys need to wrap up the show. So I'll stop with my tome and let you, Richards, respond. Feel free to disagree as you both do so well. I truly love to hear your thoughts. Peace, Dave in Northern Virginia. I would say yes, me and John, uh, we, we are, it wasn't something that naturally happened at first. Like we would disagree and we would sometimes go to a level. It's bad. And it, Maybe once in a blue moon it still happens, but we've kind of just agreed to listen to each other and, and you know, rejoice in what we find idiotic about the other. 
at times. And then quit lying, quit lying, Chris. <laughs> but I think I think like usually the way it resolves for us, we we usually find a middle ground. You know, of like, well, yeah, but this, you know. And by middle ground, we mean biking. <laughs> um, no, I, I was going to say, you know, what what David doesn't know that as soon as Chris yells cut, we go at it. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. And plus, you know, it's just, um, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we've probably just mellowed out um, yeah. over the years. I mean, I'm, I think when you're some I'm pretty old guys, some people like, I guess I've noticed on online, they, they seem to get worse with age about certain things. Right. They're like, oh, I got to tell you why this thing's wrong. And you're just an idiot if you don't believe it. Yeah. But I feel like for me personally, it was a thing of when we were younger um, especially I, I won't speak for you, but for myself, it was more of just like, I think when you're younger, you're, you're more philosophical and you're more, you know, about whatever theory you're into, I guess I should say, or, you know, dogma in a way, <laughs> yeah. uh, of like trying to prove why it's a pure thing instead of going like, well, it can be a complicated thing that has a bunch of perspectives um, and it's just maybe looking and trying to understand. Like my big thing as I got older was trying to really understand what the other side of someone's argument is and why that's an okay, valid thing in most instances um, and why it's worth discussing. Right. Yeah. And I, and David, I've said, to, I've said, I've said on this show and I've said to Chris, my friendship with Chris is an enigma. <laughs> because, and I've said, we're passionate on so many things, so many of the same things, but most of the things, most of the things we're passionate about collectively, we have very different ideas about. Yeah. But, um, you know, <clears throat> but fundamentally, <laughs> it's just the fact that, you know, finding if you just, uh, and I, I, I definitely, sympathize with david it, it it is frustrating um just seeing how everything is so tribal yeah but it's amazing that if you get past all the bs how many people how many friendships you're leaving on the on on the table because of orange man bad or hillary is evil or any you know all this all this stuff that doesn't matter yeah in the long run yeah um but um, but moving on to a more important topic, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the we use failure in bad marketing. One of the things that always frustrated me, and I've I've told this to Chris so many times, and he sh- he shook his head. You know, it's like the when, when the thing when the thing was being revealed, and every, you know the media was out there going, but people are so confused at what it is, and I'm like, guys, you know exactly what this thing is, <laughs> so just explain it to everybody. <laughs> You knew everybody, everybody in the media knew it was a brand new console mm-hmm. and they were just, they were just, you know, waxing poetic on this thing. But yeah, Reggie is a PR genius. I mean, he, the things that he says, he, I mean, he can, he can pull out of his rear end in, in, in a split second. He, he's, mm-hmm. he's one of the best in the business, but he's up there with Phil. Well, even but Phil's more genuine than Reggie, and don't get me that, wrong, I like fair. Reggie a lot. That's I like fair. Reggie a lot, but Phil is less likely to feed you a load of PR speak than Reggie is. It almost feels like he probably watched Reggie, right? Because of course, at that point when Reggie was really in his prime, he was just a 
a person at Microsoft, you know, important person, but um, to the point where maybe he just, when he got to the next level, he's like, you know, it'd be cool if someone was like Reggie, but then could be more authentic. Yeah. Um, and look, I being the Nintendo fanboy that I am, I loved my Wii U, but I also know that that thing, that, that thing was almost... It, it, that thing was probably more frustrating. I think I liken it now to what the PSVR is, the first model with wires everywhere. And, you know, the Wii U was just a, a, a cluster of peripherals. Um, and it, it, and it was holding on to the past with their motion controls. Yeah. Um, it just, it didn't, it's like, we like to say with certain storytelling, it doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that was the Wii U's problem. It had no idea what it wanted to be. I mean, I I definitely don't think like Nintendo marketing or like even when you look at at the same time in the same period that Xbox marketing um, for the Xbox One when it launched uh, those two consoles. Yeah, they both had bad marketing, I think. But mm-hmm. both consoles, you know, the reason why it took Xbox a bunch of years just to kind of find stability again um, and maybe get them into a place where they can do some success and then also... Uh, with Nintendo basically having to just <laughs> kind of go the Final Fantasy fourteen way of just going abandon ship and make something new that's better, um, is that yeah they they both were flawed products with their launches. You know you have the Wii U that was underpowered and you're like well what's the gimmick? Well you can sit fifteen feet away from your TV and pay, play your game. You're like well I got this mobile phone can go anywhere and do that and uh and then you go like well what games would i be able to play 15 feet away like well just these mario games that don't quite look as good as anything on the other two consoles okay uh what about third party games well we don't really have any of those because it's not really using the same format that those other consoles use and it doesn't have power you know like you you could just start to check all these things it's a very oh, yeah. different thing now where Switch, yeah, Switch might not be as powerful as Xbox, but for one, they went out there and they made a console that was easy to develop for. They went and courted all these indie developers, right? And sure, you know, you know, some of the biggest games might never ever come to a, a Switch, but that's okay because there's so much other types of games out there that people enjoy, right? And the idea that I can go and when I'm on a car ride and I'm not driving, you know, pull out my switch and play it. Or if I live in the city and I get on the subway, I can pull out my switch and play it. Or when I get home after a long day, even if I'm not someone who's taking my switch everywhere, it's still a console that feels great to handle um, when it's docked. Right. And I can just sit on my couch and, and play the games like I've always played them. Uh, and, and, you know, it was no different with Microsoft where it was like, Hey, you made a console where your focus was on voice and body, you know, tracing, uh, with this connect and it jacked up the price of it. And at the same time, you put a CPU in there that wasn't nearly as powerful as your competitor that you were trying to beat. And your GPU as a, as a result really struggled to find a way to operate. Right. And therefore, they struggled till they came out with the uh, S to make something that was stable and as good as uh, their competitor. By then, it was already over. So, you know, marketing is definitely 
doesn't help if you've got the wrong message. Uh, and I think m when you now go back and you see that marketing for the Wii U and then you see the debut of the Switch, because, I, I mean, I, I'll admit that I crow on that one. Like, when I was seeing the concept and everything, I was still thinking in the terms of the Wii U. And I just was like, there's no way they're going to be able to figure out how to market this in a way that is appealing and and feels like something that's modern, right? It's just going to feel like another plastic box that has a gimmick that no one really is asking for. But once I saw the marketing, you know, then it starts to be like, oh, okay, if they can build this the right way, uh, and that was my only question. They found that, that answer, right? Like they showed now all of a sudden, because you have the right product with the right vision behind it, it just has no problem pushing forward. And yeah. Dominate. But even, even from a marketing perspective, I can't, when you were saying that the switch was a dead as a doornail. Yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, he could be right. Cause I could not, I, I cannot explain to you really why that system is successful right now. I, I don't know. I mean, I know why it is now mm -hmm. in the pan, in the pandemic, but I can't tell you why that was so appealing to people now. I mean, you know, what did the Wii have? It had Wii bowling. What did yeah. the Wii U have? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, look, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's worth saying that if had, had the Wii U launched mm -hmm. with um, the building uh, Super Mario Maker, thing would have been gangbusters yeah it's not about the console per se with nintendo it's about the games that you have on it and i guess that's and, and i guess that's the secret to the sauce that's part. whether they push the push a console or not I, I really thought was and you know this like the wii u felt like this cheap plastic thing like it really felt like a toy to me right like when but you're you holding drop it Boy, you could drop it. <laughs> I never did that. I guess you being uh, having a household with kids, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, but like the first time, especially once I got a a switch, saw one, and held it, right? Mm -hmm. it, I was like, this is the first product from Nintendo that I can think of in their history that didn't just feel like a toy gaming system. It actually felt like real modern tech you know and that yep. was what won me over to them was like oh wow they really made something that you know feels like it's it it, it feels just as nice to look at and hold as it does to look at an xbox one x or a playstation sure. 4 you know yeah. or or an iphone right so that's where they they've won like i'll be interested to see like as they go forward and they move on from switch because i imagine they're not going to abandon the switch i think that's their new thing going forward from now on it's just going to be how much better and nicer they can make it right so like yeah. eventually in a couple of years i can have a oled screen on there um running solid games because you know of what microsoft and sony are doing now that's that's a pre you know that's a pretty impressive thing to have <laughs> if yeah, they get sure. to that point. I do. I do want to say, uh, for, uh, to David, uh, look, man, you, you've had your rant. You've gotten <laughs> it. You've got it out of your system. Yeah. You've said your piece. So Ryan, do next not, week. do not slam Reggie anymore. Oh, but That's do, but do write in next week. Cause he was, but, our, but write in, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. He was our uh, <laughs> thanks, only. Thanks for the note. 
Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I think that was it for the emails this week. I guess I could hop on the Twitter just to see if there's anything. I saw there were some posts on our Twitter. Was that you or was that, was that someone else? Not me. Uh-oh. I wonder if it was someone someone with a big head. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what does that mean? Like, one day what does that mean? <laughs> there was one reply. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we apparently tweeted out that Microsoft is looking to make a new phone that looks like a Nintendo DS and it plays Xbox games. Yeah, I saw that. That thing looks pretty interesting and expensive uh (laughs) and then uh old acid sugar you know acid sugar tweeted back and said 1400 guessing what the price would uh, (laughs) or maybe that is the price which i guess that's not that expensive when you think it's a dual screen folding thing you know that (laughs) when you compare it to say like the price of an iphone now like where if you're going for the more expensive one it's you know eleven hundred dollars starting out so i guess i don't know but we'll see. I guess it'll be a thing that will, you know, start and then maybe grow from there. I don't know. This It's the Microsoft Surface Duo. Okay, so it's a foldable Surface. That is pretty nice and impressive. And it's like kind of looks like a tablet, but then I guess it's also able to be kind of like a larger phone. Wow. Okay. Fourteen hundred dollars. I might have to buy that. Um, (laughs) Because I've been like looking to get a tablet, you know, for Project X Club, and of course I can't buy an Apple one. So, yeah, yeah. Well, this has been episode. Was this two seventy? I think now. Close enough. Yeah, weekly game (laughs) chat. That's probably right. (laughs) Pretty sure it's right. I think it was two sixty nine last week. If you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever podcast service you use, and you will get a new episode just like this one every Wednesday. Probably not about UFC ever again, but we'll see. Uh, you never know. <laughs> Sean, Sean, John, invite Chris back to talk about UFC 5. <laughs> that would be desperation, wouldn't it? <laughs> I can't imagine what we're talking about next week. Oh, you know what we're talking about next week. You know. <laughs> Um, if you like the show, make sure you drop us a rating or a review. And of course, as I said before, make sure you subscribe to get the new episodes on Wednesdays. If not a few hours earlier, it just really depends on how I'm doing. Uh, and if you want to join in our conversations, you can follow us on Twitter and join the discord simply by searching weekly games chat. If you ever can't find a link for some reason discord please do like uh one man did a couple weeks ago um and you know add us and i will gladly get you a link that goes directly there it's not that hard to generate but you should find it just by searching weekly games chat but if that is it i will simply say to john game on game on chris can you tell folks john's ready to go Game on, Sean, wherever you're at. Game on, Sean. Your mom's box! Except Mexican soccer theme this week. Uh, thug life? <laughs> Peace out, everybody!
Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, onto the show.